Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning. Um, thank you, Pastor Phil. It's an honor really standing here this morning to share the word of God with you. And thank you, Pastor Phil, for giving me this opportunity. And so I want to talk about being an encourager this morning. And so the title of my message is just that, Be an Encourager. Because I think we live in a world where it's so negative at the moment. I don't know if it's just me. But it's like it's the norm. If you say something positive, you are not normal. You're on the minority somehow. But as we read the word of God, it's full of encouragement. And then I start to wonder, which, what do I believe in? Is the world dictating how I live or the word of God? And so I just want to talk to to us that we can learn a little bit from the word of God about being an encourager. In fact, um, it's a well-known fact that the 16th president of America by the name Abraham Lincoln, he died I think in 1945, he was short, and it was quite tragic. And on the night he died, he was wearing a coat. And in the pockets, he carried a few things in his pockets. And so they looked at the contents of the pockets, and they took out the stuff that were in his coat pocket. And amongst them was a pocket knife, a watch fob, a handkerchief, a leather wallet, $5 bill, two pairs of spectacles, and he had eight newspaper clippings. That's what they found he could. So it's it's a good uh, uh, insight into the life of a great man. What do presidents carry? (laughs) You know? So, it's like, wow. This is what he had in his pockets. But, you know, what's intriguing is the subject topic that I want us to just draw, I want to draw your attention to of the eight clippings of the newspapers that he had. They were just ordinary clippings, of course. But the messages that were on the clippings meant something to him. And so one of the clippings at this message, we see his presidents, an honest endeavor faithfully to do the work of his great office. And in the doing of it, a brightness of personal honor on which No adversary has yet been able to fix a stain. It is old English a little bit, so I'm not going to expand on that. 
But as you can tell, there are words that are talking about him positively. So all the eight clippings, the subject on them was about encouraging him. It was about the media, media's portrayal of Abraham Lincoln. He needed such words of encouragement at that point in his leadership, in his life, so much so that he carried them in his pockets. And so my friends, if such great men need encouragement in this life, how about you and I? From the lowest to the greatest, I don't know where you'd think you fit in in this life. You need encouragement. But I'm not going to talk to us about you being encouraged, but about you being the encourager. And so I'm going to read scripture from the book of Acts, chapter 11. We are going to read from verse 19. From verse 19 to 26. If you've got, I'm I'm going to start to read. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Amen. As I want to talk today from this uh, portion of scripture, I want to look at a character in this portion, a man called Barnabas. He's a good man, the Bible say, a man full of the spirit of God. And so we first encounter him in the book of Acts chapter 4. And we find him there. That's the first time he gets introduced to us in the book of Acts or in the Bible. He's one of the brothers who realizes that there's need as the apostles are ministering to people. He sells his land and brings his proceeds. 
to the work of God. That's where you first encounter him. And in fact, what the other brothers called him, they nicknamed him the son of encouragement. And I wonder about ourselves. If we were to nickname one another or to just call ourselves or call each other with names of the things that we think we are strong in positively, we will find names for each other. He was called the son of encouragement. And in Acts chapter 9, we find him again. At this point, we find him with Saul. Saul, we know his story. He gets converted so dramatically, the power of God hits him on the way to Damascus. He gets converted, he becomes a Christian. He stays in Damascus a little bit, preaches the word of God in Damascus a bit, and then Saul decides he wants to come back to Jerusalem where all the other apostles are to join the gang now. But the apostles don't trust him. They don't believe him. He was a murderer. In fact, a few months before, he wanted to kill all of them. How can they believe him now? So he comes, he's saying, I'm one of you now. They don't believe him. But we find Barnabas here. He's the one who says, no, 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 no. He's one of us now. In fact, he he speaks on behalf of Saul. He's been preaching Christ in Damascus. He the way he's speaking, he really is one of us giving give him a chance. And here now in Acts chapter 11, where we've just read, we find Barnabas again. What happens here, there was a persecution in chapter 8 of Acts. Again, Stephen gets stoned to death. The church is persecuted and the believers, they, they scatter. They run away and they find themselves settling away from their homes, running away from persecution. And so in Acts chapter 11, where we, we've just read, those believers who ran away, they've settled in Antioch. They are preaching the word of God in Antioch. First they preached to the Jews and then they started preaching to the Gentiles. The Bible says the power of God was there The Gentiles gave their lives to Christ in large numbers. And so the church is growing, if you like. Just ordinary brothers and sisters who've ran away from persecution. They settle here. They are preaching the word of God. The church is growing. The power of God is there. The apostles in Jerusalem, they hear about what's happening in Antioch. There's something happening there. Where the believers have all gathered where they are preaching the word of God. And the apostles decide, we have to send Barnabas there. You know, I wondered about that because there was nothing wrong happening in this church. In fact, the church is growing. The power of God is so visible from what is happening. But the apostles decide they need Barnabas. And I wondered why. But as you read, you find it says Barnabas got there. He saw the grace of God at work. He was glad. He encouraged them to stay true in the Lord. They needed Barnabas to encourage them. My friends, Who knows 
that where the power of God is, where the spirit of God is working, we still need one another to spare each other on. The apostles knew they had had an experience. They were there when the spirit of God showed up. On the day of Pentecost, it was amazing. But they knew that after that, opposition followed. Persecution followed. Disagreements followed. So they knew it's amazing what's happening in this church. But they need an encourager who comes to them. Because whatever follows the growth or what's happening at that point in time, he needs to go there, encourage them in the Lord. He was needed there, and he went. And what do we learn from this man? What can we learn that we can apply into our lives? We need to recognize the grace of God in others. Because in each and every one of us, Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, But to each one of us, the grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. To each one of us, whoever you can see sitting next to you, the grace of God is at work. In your workplace, that person you can't bear, the grace of God is in their lives. In your family, the grace of God is at work in your family members. So we need as people of faith to start recognizing that. Acts eleven twenty three says, when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God has done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He saw what the grace of God had done. I thought because he's a man of experience, he had come from where the apostles are running things. He comes with how processes are done, procedures are done. You are not doing as Peter would have done it. You are not running the church the way we do it in Jerusalem. He doesn't do that. He seeks what God is doing. What is God doing? And he saw the grace of God upon these brothers. What he does, he says, come on. Keep going. Keep going. Stay true to the Lord. Don't, carry the, don't get carried away just with the growth of the church. Don't get carried away with who is going to lead what now. Keep and stay true to the Lord. That's what he does. That's what he does. And I wonder in our lives, when we look at anyone we see, do we criticize? Do we see faults? Do we see failure? What do we see? And most of the time, if we really dig deep, it's got nothing to do with what Jesus or God is doing. It's to do with us. 
I don't really like that because it's not satisfying me. I don't like it because it's not about me. Well, it's not about you. It's about what God is doing in people's lives. And it also said he encouraged them all. All. He didn't stop. Just decide he's going to just encourage the elders. No. Or just the welcome team. No. All. Because he knew as they all came together, they are one body. Everyone is contributing to the building of the church of Jesus Christ. So he encourages them all. And sometimes in our encouragement, do we just give words of encouragement to those we know we can get something out of? What will I get? You know, you ask people out. He's got some influence. I'll go to him. Nicey, nicey, because I get something out of it. He encouraged them all. In each and every one, there is a grace of God at work. They need your encouragement. Amen. You know, in our house, we, we love football. I, I, I do. My boys love football. Anyone who loves football? Thank God it's not just us. And so my husband supports a team called Tottenham Hotspurs. Oh, I knew that. My son, <laughs> my son on the other hand supports Man City. <laughs> that tells you, right, King's Church is not either. So that's fine. And I, I, I support. I don't. <laughs> No. <laughs> I try to be a good wife and a good mother. <laughs> and so I support both. <laughs> but then my hypocrisy is, is found out when those, these two teams are playing together. How can you support both? Mom, which team are you supporting? Wife, which team are you supporting? We'll see who wins. <laughs> but it's amazing the, the sport of football, isn't it? And so sometimes we go and our son is playing in, for his club, a local club. We cheer him on and, and what I've discovered is those on the sidelines are the best players. It's amazing, isn't it? You could have scored that. I could. Uh, you, you, you're just thinking, oh my God. You get in. Get in. And then as you take it a level higher, with you, you find as some of you have watched the um, Cup of Nations or the national teams when they play for the bigger cups, for the bigger awards and you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. 
It's amazing to watch. But I don't know for the players because I've never spoken to one of them who plays for those bigger teams. But I can only imagine, you know, when they go, this is the team representing England or representing Zimbabwe probably in a few years to come. But it's coming, it's coming. You know, nothing is, nothing is impossible with God. But it's... The team is selected and the building up to it is amazing. The lineup, the, 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 the uniform, the, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Come the day of the match, we are all glued to our screens. We watch them and if they lose... God bless them. <laughs> it's just, you know, you, you look at you think, oh my word. And most of they go to the penalties. God bless the ch- player who misses it. <laughs> the whole team loses because of him. And I want, you know, sometimes we don't take time to, to really say, That player, though he failed at that point in time, it has taken sweat, grit, hours and hours of training. He's been selected from his small club to represent the nation. There's something amazing about him. But we close our eyes and our senses to that. He missed the penalty. Crucify him. That's what we do. And I remember uh, a few months ago, one of the players actually said, I don't want to play anymore. And I felt so sad for him. I thought, the amount of investment he would have put in himself, his family, his club, it's, it's, it's work, friends. But because he said the criticism that comes with it, I can't bear. I can't bear. I don't want to do this anymore. We take it lightly because we are just spectators and we are fans, you know. Um, We poke, poke. We find faults. We find failure. We the media will have a good party out of it. This is someone's life. Someone's character. Some will not recover from it. But we do it. And sometimes we've brought that into this house of God. The insensitivity of it. The I could play better than him. I could be better. No, you can't play better than these guys because you can't run a mile. It's hard work. But we've brought that sometimes unknowingly into the house of God. We tear down what God is building. We assassinate each other. (laughs) 
behind each other's back. My friends, I want to encourage you. Find the grace of God in one another. And when we find it, encourage the good in them. Encourage them to do something good. And so it takes us to our next point. Be a good encourager. Just that. Because we can encourage one another to do all sorts. (laughs) It's still encouragement. We could encourage, you know, stay on each other to steal. To gossip. But we want to be good encouragers. You know, to do good. Acts 11, the portion we read, it says, He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Remain true to God. Do the right thing. Whatever you are experiencing, my friend, do the right thing. Stay true to the cross. That's what we want to say to one another. Not I know the way to revenge. I know I've done it before. I know people who have. Yes, we do know all that. We've got so much advice to give. But what we want to encourage ourselves to do is to say, stay the course. Keep to the cross. Stay true to Jesus. What would Jesus say? That is what you do. Be a good encourager. In fact, Acts 11, 24, he said, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He was a good man. A good man encourages others to do good. I put full stop to that. A good man or a good woman, encourages others to do good. In fact, Luke 6.45 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. There's no two ways about it. The Bible says it. Out of the goodness of your heart, comes out of the goodness to others. And so some of us this morning, we might have to just really dig deep into our hearts. Why do we always spout negativity? Why is life so dark? What's in here? What's in our hearts? Barnabas was full of the spirit. And all the past um, three weeks, I think, we've been talking about three, four weeks, about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. I even took part in the acting. Hello. (laughs) I'm still waiting for my um, global award. (laughs) But we were talking about the Holy Spirit. Pastor Phil and Peter Cavana, they were teaching us On the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He lives in us. And when he, everything that we've been uh, harboring in and the spirit take over, we start gushing out the fruits of the spirit. We are patient. We love. We are kind. We speak good to others because it's the fruits of what's in here. We can't fake it. It's what's inside that comes out. If we are full of the spirit of God, we will bring out the fruits of the spirit. We will encourage others to do the good things of God. And as we encourage others to do good, we will raise up a generation of encouragers. Sometimes as we wonder, we think, oh my word, the world we are living in. What's wrong? You know what I mean? Like, why is everyone so... Sometimes it's our responsibility to pass on that baton of knowing how to encourage. Speak good of others. See good in others. Always do that to our children, to our friends, to our grandkids, to our church fellows, to the community we live in. At work, we pass it on. And before you know it, around you, there's a generation of encouragers. It says in Acts 11, 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Saul had been told to go back, I think, to his hometown of Tarsus because People wanted to kill him all the time. He was just so full on. And this was just, as Pastor Phil said last time, really like a terrorist, if you like, before. He turns against his own people and says, I don't believe in what we were before. I am standing for Christ. They want to kill him. Understandably, they are thinking, you betrayed us. And so each time he's trying to preach the word of God, and he did it with such power, They wanted to kill him all the time. And they said, no, no, you take a little break in Tarsus. Let things cool off a bit. But here we find Barnabas is now at Antioch. He sees what's happening. The grace of God is amazingly doing things here. The church is growing. There are wonders happening here. But what he then do, he remembers so He goes to find him in Tarsus. It brings him to Antioch. Let's do this together. There is a man who knows it's not about him. But it is about building the kingdom of God. You and I, we wonder sometimes what we are doing here, my friends. We give our lives to Christ. We've joined a new family. It is called the church of Jesus Christ. 
you and I are a brick building the church of Jesus Christ. And it's up to Jesus then to say this brick goes to the foundation. This brick will go near the door. This brick is going just before the the roof comes on. But all in all, collectively, we are building the church of Jesus Christ. We are not building our own little ministry or kingdom with our name on it. Everything we are doing, we are doing it to build the church of Jesus. And so Barnabas knew this. He could have easily just stayed there by himself, go to the apostles and report Look what I'm doing by myself. But he knows there is need for Saul to come here. He knows the church will encourage Saul, and Saul encourage the church. There is a brother on a journey. He just has been converted. He sees the grace of God upon him. He goes and says, come. You need to be here with me. This church will encourage you. The people here will encourage you. You will encourage them too. And he says for a year they, they would meet with the church, the people at the church, and they preach and they teach. As we go further, you notice you find Barnabas again. Him and Paul saw in Acts chapter 13, they took a young man on missions. His name is John Mark. And John just decides to to go back halfway through the missions. But in Acts chapter 15, 36 to 41, it says, Barnabas and Saul, again, they talk about going back on missions. Barnabas wants to take John Mark. Paul says, no, 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 no. The man is a quitter. He quit on us last time we took him. I am not taking him. Barnabas said, okay, we need to take him. So the Bible really say they, they disagreed strongly. Paul and Barnabas. In terms of whether to take John Mark or not. And so in the end they agreed that Barnabas would take John Mark with him. And so would take Silas. It's amazing really the missions are doubled that way. You know they achieve more as they go separate ways. But there's a disagreement. But what I want you to look at here is Barnabas takes John Mark. Paul looks at this young man and he says he quit on us last time. I don't trust him anymore. But I said, no, no. There's a grace of God upon this young man. I'll give him a chance. He takes him. And it's amazing as you read further in the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Some things happen, 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 and happen. And Paul then writes a letter to Timothy. Before he says this, he talks about how he has fought a good fight. 
And from that, we, we see Paul has had an experience. He's done things of, in the ministry. But in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, he says this to Timothy. I'm here with Luke. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in, in my ministry. It's the same John Mark. In Acts chapter 15, Paul says, this young man, I don't trust him anymore. He's a quitter when it matters. Barnabas says, no, there's a grace of God upon him. I'm going to be patient with him. I'll take him with me. If he quits, it's fine, but I'm going to give him another chance. He works with this young man. He develops into an amazing man of God that even Paul then turns around and says, bring him to me. I need him in my ministry. I trust him now. But it had to take a man called Barnabas to give this young man a chance. My friends in our lives, people have quit on us. People have let us down. Or some of us have quit on others. Where it mattered if we said, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Where it mattered the most. We've let others down. Or they've let us down. And we tell her, I'm never going to do this again. I delete their number in my on my WhatsApp, I block them on my Facebook. I do not want to know about them. We need to be wise, by the way. Be wise. But we need to see the grace of God working in people. Give others a chance. Because God is at work. We are here, it's a long haul. We are on a journey together. So we need one another. Your family needs you to see the goodness in them. They need you to trust them again. They need you to say something positive and encouraging again. In 2 Corinthians 7, 5 to 7. It's Paul again. He says, for when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside. Fears within. But God who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. You see, some of us, we, we don't encourage others because probably we actually don't know it matters. But now we know it does matter. Or some of us, because probably 
the way we were growing up or the environments we grew up in were not that encouraging. So we don't really know where to start. All we know is just doom and gloom or just tear each other down and or not say anything nice. Because that's what we know. And so for you, I pray to God this morning that you know your life if it's like that. Seek God to help you. The Spirit of God, ask him to clean inside you, to fill you with him that you can start now giving the good out of the goodness of your heart. And so here in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 to 7, Paul, he tells of how he's feeling what went on as he's on his journey in Macedonia. He says, we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside. Fears within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us with this coming of Titus. You see, some of us, we, we need encouraging. You say, why should I encourage anyone? Because some people here this morning, some people in your family or in your household today, they feel harassed. They are conflicted. They've got fears within that they don't talk about. Some people are at crossroads. They've applied the word of God to everything. They've done what God says about their situation. They don't know what else to do. And so it could be the person sitting next to you today. The only problem is because they haven't told you, you don't know. We know about Paul because he told us. The conflicts that goes on in our minds, the confusion. Am I doing this? Am I good enough? In fact, the church at Antioch, it was a church found, if you like, by just mere believers like you and I. We had just ran away from persecution. It wasn't the apostles or experienced men of God, if you like. So as they settled in Antioch, they set up this church. Or they've got fears. They've left what they knew. There's so much going on in their lives that you and I may not know about. They are trying to do the best they can. With what God had given them. And so we need to encourage one another. You don't know what the next person is going through. Them standing up to give a simple prayer has been such a battle for them. And so the least we can say is well done. Do it again. Stay true to the Lord. That them coming in this Sunday, getting out of bed, 
has been such a big thing for them. But we don't know. And so the least we can say is well done. Good and faithful servant of God. Keep going. We need to encourage one another. To spare each other on. If the worship team can come. Let's find the grace of God in one another. Let's be good encouragers. Let's raise up a generation of encouragers. In Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spare one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see, the day approaching. Jesus Christ is coming back again. Jesus Christ is coming back again for his church. And that church consists of you and I. That church as you cast your eyes in this room, we are part of that church. So he's coming back again for us, my friends. And so as we look at each other, Let's remember this. We are awaiting his coming. As we are waiting, I want to encourage my brothers and sisters that we can all stand before him together. That in this journey of life, whatever is befalling her or him, let us keep going together as we remember that he is coming again. Nothing else should matter to us. Nothing else should take our focus from the cross. But to remember we are in this together. We are waiting his coming. And as we do so, let's do it together. If we can all stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.